Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is Cardinals opening week. They open against the Pirates on Thursday. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and Cardinal Hall of Famer Mark McGuire, kind enough to join us. It's kind of an opening day tradition now on this show. Mark, good morning. How are you doing? Fantastic. How are you guys doing? Everything's great. And we're excited about having you here in town for opening day wearing the red jacket. And I know that's one of your favorite traditions. <laughs> It is. It's uh, yeah. It's it's been a while, and I'm glad things get to work out and uh, get to be on the back of one of those uh, cars and drive around the, the stadium and stand at home plate and be there for opening day. It's going to be exciting. It really is, Mark. It's always such a special day here in St. Louis, but this one's going to be a little extra special. Special not only having a full capacity Bush Stadium again, but with Adam Wainwright potentially his last season, Yadier Molina saying it, it's his last season, and the return of Albert Pujols. I imagine this one's going to have just a little extra juice. I think so, and, and I'm I'm excited for Albert. And you know, it's uh, boy, you know what he he can still hit. <laughs> he can still hit, and he loves facing lefties and. You know, he really he, he he really accepted that role when uh, he went over and played with the Dodgers, and I think that's the key. And you know, accepting you know uh, you know you know player like is his caliber wants to play every day and can help the team, which I know he can. But to accept the role, the way the game's gone and uh, <clears throat> the left right stuff and and what he can do. And I remember getting a phone call from uh, Skip Schumacher and said, "Hey, when's the last time you seen Albert?" Is he in good shape? Is he working out? Is he hitting? I'm like, absolutely. You think he can hit left? Dude, it would be stupid not to give him a chance. And I'm telling you what, I, a couple of days later, and there he is walking outside uh, the, the right field foul pole down there in Jupiter, and fans give him a standing ovation. I couldn't be happier for him and St. Louis. You know what? In the game of baseball, you know, it's after what happened with the, the lockout in the 90 days, uh, lockout and to to bring back Albert to St. Louis and if it's the last years for for uh, Wayno and Yachty I mean for them three to go out together for the history of what they've done for for baseball but let alone St. Louis baseball in the city of St. Louis what a great thing for baseball I mean it's 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 something that they definitely need to to mend the uh, wounds of the 90-day lockout you're so right, Mark. And Randy and I love talking hitting with you. We could do it for hours. But when you say very definitively, <laughs> Albert Pujols can still hit, I want to hear from Mark McGuire's yeah. perspective. What do you see in him that leads you to say that so definitively? <laughs> he, he just he, he's a born hitter. I mean, it's like it's like uh, I mean, the chances I get to work out. We we live in the same community out here in Orange County, you know, um, and. Uh, Time and time again, we'll we'll get together, and we'll hit, 
Um, and it's like when I, when I saw that he went down and played down the Dominican and um, I was just thinking, man, that, this guy's incredible. Just to, to go down there and to play, to pass on the knowledge, almost like be a player coach, almost like what Pete Rose did back in the day. And, and for, for Albert to pass on the knowledge, let alone can still hit a 99-mile-an-hour fastball with the best of them. Um, he, he's just got that. He's got that born eyes to play this game, to see the ball, to to stay on the ball. And you know, unfortunately, his his knees and speed gave up on him years ago. And you know, but he is in such great shape. And this guy can give him a bat. I mean, he he puts the ball in play, um, and that's something that he's always done. And and it's just like it's so cool to see that he's going for 22 years. It's just. It's amazing. And the city of St. Louis, the game of baseball, um, it's just when you have a born baseball player like him, and uh, it's just it's just awesome to see what he's done and what he's going to do. And, and I, I wish him nothing but the success to get to 700 and over 700 and, and to bring another championship or be a part of another championship there in the great city of St. Louis. Mark, we had Nolan Arenado on the show last week. He was telling us about his warehouse that you have visited, that Albert has visited. <laughs> when you guys talk hitting, when when high-level hitters talk hitting, is there something that the conversation always comes back to? I mean, I don't know if it come, anything comes back to. It's just, you know, I think everybody has their own, they, obviously they have their own knack of their, their feeling. You know, hitting is feeling. And, you know, the way I talk hitting, it, it, the, their feeling and what they, how they uh, uh, interpret what I'm trying to say to them might be different the way that I interpret it. But what it, it, when I talk hitting, and, and especially with Albert, you know, the knowledge that he has, I might say something that he's never heard from, uh, from anybody. I, I might say something to Aaron Arenado uh, from – and, and he's like, wait a minute, I've never heard it that way. And it just clicks. It, and that's the, the beauty about hitting. We all, as, as former players, as coaches, we all say the same thing. We just say it in different ways. And, and, it, and it might click in different things. And all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off and go, wait a minute. Now, I think I have a knack. I see things that a lot of people don't see. I see little muscle strands in the legs, in the feet. <laughs> that I can see through through the the uniform that I'm saying no you're not staying in your front foot your front foot's leaking and if your front foot is leaking your upper half is leaking you're going to come around the ball it's just that's what happens that front foot has to be down that front side that that IT band on the outside of your front front quad has to be it has to be stiff it has to it has to throw the backside through it you can't allow that front side to, to leak. You can't have that front foot leak over on the outside part of your ankle. Now, that's the way I look at things. Now, other people might look at other things and not see that stuff. But when I look and I break down hitters, it all starts from the lower half. It starts from the feet. The feet are the center of your strength. The feet, the ground, you have to use the ground. The ground has to be your friend. And, and so when I sit there and I talk to Nolan or Albert, or whoever it may be, we always talk about the ground, the ground up. And you can talk about the hands all you want. Your hands are only to be as fast and as smooth, as sturdy and as strong as your lower half is. 
Mark, you can hit Both the daylights. Both answers your question. It, it, it's it's part of it. You you can hit the daylights out of a golf ball. It sounds like a lot of what you're talking about. You could apply to golf too. Mm. <laughs> Do you agree? It's it's exactly the same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I I chuckle. I laugh out loud <laughs> when somebody says, "Oh, baseball players they shouldn't be playing golf." You're crazy. You <laughs> should go out and play golf. You should go out and go up to the driving range because I will guarantee you, if you're going to try to hit a baseball and your feet are not on the ground, and you try to hit a golf ball and your feet aren't in the ground, you're not going to hit it very straight. So the great thing about baseball is you want you hit a foul ball, you get another shot. You hit a ball right or left in a golf game, you got to go find it and try to hit it. You know, so it's, it's a lot harder to make money. It's a lot harder to make money in golf than it is in baseball. I guarantee you that. But it's it's like I, I think that's why I truly believe that's why I was such a good low ball hitter. Is because I was playing golf at the age of five years old. So I started learning hitting through the ball down below my feet, right by my feet. And, you know, I got to hit the, the golf ball a long way, just like I did with a baseball. And then, but to me, it's so similar. Obviously, the ball's on a, a, a different access point, but it's just you're hitting a moving ball in baseball. Golf is sitting there on the tee saying, hit me, hit me, hit me. But why is that so hard? Why is that so hard to hit a golf ball when it's sitting in there on a tee going, hit me, hit me, hit me? Because your body and everything has to be hit, has to be perfectly in sync when you hit a golf ball. And if something's out of whack, it's going to go awry. And then, then what happens? You have to manipulate your hands. You have to manipulate this. you got to hold on. In baseball, it's the same thing, but you have a little room for error for that. But the concept is exactly the same. But those feet have to be in the ground. You have to use the ground as your friend. And, uh, you know, that's the great thing today with all this, uh, all this conditioning coaches, all the new wave stuff. And they use these sports plates to really see when you – it really shows these kids, like, hey, I'm really using the ground. Oh, my gosh, I don't even have to – I'm not even really using my hands or using my upper body to hit the ball. Of course, because the lower, your lower body is dictating that. Mark. So, I get excited about talking about hitting. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, okay, I have a follow-up question then, Mark. If hitting is feeling in today's analytics-based style of play, mm-hmm. how difficult is mm-hmm. it for the modern baseball player to marry those two together? Because I think we watch games and we just expect these players to perform, but with things shifting mm-hmm. the way that it has, how difficult is that actually? How complicated is it for a baseball player? Mm. Well, listen, I, I like the analytical part. Listen, there was so much analytics in the game of baseball when I was playing. We just didn't, we didn't, we didn't have the computers to, to tell us, but the, the, we just didn't know. We are doing things a lot of, we are doing a lot of right things. Unfortunately, today, the kids are chasing a number without chasing a feeling. You can reach a number in a cage which is great. I got exit velo. I got this bat speed, but that doesn't parlay into what you're going to do in a game, you know, because it's a totally different thing. Now pitching, I totally understand pitching. You can see it right away. You're, you can do whatever you want to change your fingers on the ball, your grip pressure, whatever you want to do. You can see it right away. Hitting, you have to rely on a pitcher throwing you a baseball. So the analytical thing is to me, the hitter has to know his feelings to create that number. If he does not have the feeling and doesn't know where his lower half is, doesn't know where his feet are in the ground, doesn't know if his, his, his legs are totally crushing the ball or squeezing, as I call it, at contact, then he's not going to create that number. 
It's, it's impossible to do that. And the way when I talk about this, <clears throat> I don't talk about like this for like a, a one week period. I talk about the consistency of 162 games. That's really hard to do. Because if somebody comes to you and say, listen, your exit velo is not up to what it used to be last year. So what are you going to do? Where are you going to? You're going to go look at a computer to tell you how to get there? No, you got to go look in the mirror and go, where's my feet? Where's my lower half? Oh, my feet are, I'm hitting on skates. Well, no kidding. If you're hitting on skates, your feet aren't in the ground. And so the thing is, is the marrying thing is the understanding where there has to be a, a happy medium with the analytics and the, and the, and the, if you want to call it old school baseball mind, <clears throat> there has to be a marrying of the two where you have analytic person that can give you the numbers and you have a, you have a old school, if you want to call it hitting coach or coach in general that understands how the body works. Cause you can only reach those numbers if the body is working correctly now. And then that's the way I look at things. So if I watch guys on TV and they hit, a, you know, hit a ball at, you know, so you hit a ball at 110 miles an hour, but it's a, it's a ground ball five hopper even though you hit it straight into the ground, is that going to tell you a good result? Not really. You know, it's, it's, it's where are you going to be? Right. It's like, how can, how can, how consistent can I be over 162? And the, and it comes down to a feeling you have to understand where your body's at. And the, the unfortunate thing today is the kids are looking at computers too much rather than looking and feeling and understanding where your body's at. And I used to sit in front of my mirror all the time and I used to close my eyes and I used to try to swing and understand because when you're at the plate especially during a stressful situation you know bottom of the ninth or a key RBI situation you can't think about trying to reach a number you have to think about my feet are on the ground where's the ball you cannot sit there and have your mind wander about anything else other than seeing the release point if you're not thinking about I'm in the ground. Okay, let's go. Or I'm in the ground, but oh, my hands. Where are my hands? Next thing you know, the pitch is on top of you. Or I need to. I need. I need to hit this ball you know, 110 miles an hour. Well, my mind's thinking about 110 miles an hour, but my mind's not thinking about where's the ball. You know. So mm-hmm. I can go on and on about this, but the the thing is, it's 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 a tough thing because I know the analytics is really taking over the game and listen, I don't have a problem with it all, but there's a, there's a, there's a thing where there has to be a marrying where, where both sides have to come together where you have to, the kids have to understand where their lower half's at in order to create a, in order to create those numbers. Cardinal Hall of Famer Mark McGuire with us on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Mark, from the time I was a little kid, I've been going to Cardinal opening days here in St. Louis. And we, we've been talking about how you, there's so much that is robotic in the sport. And my favorite opening day ever was 98. And younger Randy, I don't think, humanized <laughs> the sport enough. Tony would always tell us they're men, not machines. You know what? And, and let me retroactively apologize because I I had the same expectations of you than ev- that everybody else did. And I, I'm sure you felt this way. I, I'm sure that when we showed up as the media or you talked to fans, you felt like, what do they think I am, a robot? Because I think that that's kind of the perception that we have. What, 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 was it, what did it feel like for you? From, from a human perspective, what was 98 like for you? 
Wow. Uh, crazy. It was crazy, uh, Randy. Um, it's, you know, I mean, gosh, dang, we're going, we're going back many years now. Right. It's like, um, you know, to think about like, um, I remember doing the, the, a photo shoot for, for sports illustrated. Um, I think it was probably January of 98 for the issue or for the baseball preview issue. And, and I was doing it, and, and I remember seeing the cover, and, the, and I, I believe the cover was like, is this the year or something? Because um, the year that Maris broke the record, it was the expansion year. Um, and then 98 was an expansion year, and they're like, is this the year that, you know, the home run record's going to be broken? So you, you got to go into spring training, and, and there's already that talk. Now, there was always that, there was already that talk back in 1987 when I had 33, 33 home runs at the All-Star break. Right. You know, in 87 as a rookie. So, you know, it's just, it's amazing to think that um, how powerful the mind can be. Um, you know, well, yeah, even though that some people say that, you know, oh, they're, they're robots and stuff. And, but, you know, we are human, but the understanding that the, the mind controls everything. Now, um, now, if I didn't go through all the trials and tribulations through the years prior to that where I had, many injuries and I basically didn't play for two years in 93 and 94 and, you know, going through therapy and understanding who I was as a person, I don't think I would have handled, you know, 98 the way I did. I mean, I thought I handled it very well, even though I'm sure I got ornery during times. But, um, but the thing is, is like when you go to like talk about opening day of 98, I mean, hitting that home run is like, wow, this is the start of it. Uh, against, you know, the Dodgers of all teams, <laughs> it seems like, you know, grew up watching, you know, it's like, um, you know, and then I think it was what hit home runs in the first four games, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then the talk got even more in, um, you know, then we, you know, Hey, listen, we got 162. There's a long ways to go. You know, who, who knows what's going to happen, but, it's amazing how powerful – that's the only thing I can say. Is it's amazing how powerful the mind can be that you can get to another level and then another level uh, when you know how to use it. And it's really hard to describe to people when – when if, if you're talking about this and, you know, people have never been to that depth inside your mind uh, to, to pretty much just, just get everything out of it. Like, you, I, I mean, there was times I played – many times I played – that I couldn't hear a thing that was going on in the ballpark. I mean, that's how deep I was into my mind. And, and it was just like, but I was so peaceful, you know, it was just so peaceful because it's like that, that's just, I, I got into those depths where it was just like, wow, I was basically floating many times and just, just like, man, I can't believe that like all this, uh, you know, sometimes I would say like stress, what's stress? You know, I, I just never, I never understood what stress is like. Michael Jordan when I was between co- the lines. Yeah, Michael Jordan called the court his sanctuary. Was the was the field kind of your sanctuary? Yeah. Yes. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, you know, I handled, I tried to handle the best that I could. You know, away from it. You know, being fans, being coming up during lunch, dinner, or whatever it may be, or just out. Um, you know, and then dealing with the media on an everyday basis. Um, you know, the thing was, you, you think about it, like, we used to do all the media stuff inside the locker room. Then it got to the point where we started doing press room, you know, 
they started doing little press rooms. Now, now you look at now it's a mainstay. They do press rooms all the time now. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, um, you know, coming out to 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 watch batting practice started in '98. You know, now it's a huge thing where they they sell, you know, you know, groups of people come out in the field now for uh, to watch batting practice. Now that all started in '98. You know, nobody used to be on the field watching batting practice. And that's another thing, <laughs> Randy Michelle. It's like, you know, the the the, P, the BP thing just got just like it got enormous news. You know, you would have fifteen to twenty thousand people in the stands watching batting practice, and so I was basically playing a game before the game even started. Right. You know, I had to like I had to be in like like <laughs> I had to be in like that mode of like, oh my gosh, I got to go out and take batting practice today. You know, and listen, Dave McKay was and still is one of the best BP throwers I've ever had. And he, I mean, there wasn't a day that I didn't like his BP where I struggled to hit. It was always right there. And and everybody's like, well, do you try to hit home runs in BP? There isn't a time or a place I ever tried to hit a home run in my life playing the game of baseball. It was just my swing. That, that's my swing. I, I must have had, I had this natural natural lift of the ball or a launch angle as they call it today. And I never once tried to hit a ball out of the ballpark. Amazing. And I just hit, I just hit a ball. I just hit the ball in the way I swung and I have to, and it goes back to when you talked about golf, it, I, it goes back to my golf days when I was a young kid playing golf. And there was many times, especially earlier in my career where when I was struggling hitting wise, I would go to a driving range because you know what? You go to a driving range, what does it do? It's going to slow you down. Mm-hmm. It slows you down. And you have to be under control hitting a golf ball. And so, and they would really help me out. And then, you know, so um, I know I'm rambling about 98, but it's just like, you know, to think about how powerful the mind is, I, I tell you what, the trials and tribulations, like I said earlier, what I went through, you know, earlier in my career, I don't, I don't know if that I would have been able to handle what happened in 98, but um, I'm glad, you know, and listen, you are the person you are in life and you're continually growing. And it's usually not growing. You're not growing from success. You're growing from failure Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something happened in your life. Um, And it's like, God knows I've had a lot of failure, you know, and the thing is, is I took it head on. And I crushed through that wall, and I and I, and I embraced it, and that's instead of running away from it. And and the the unfortunate thing is, young kids today they they don't know how to deal with that. They 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 want instant, 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 instant. They want something to happen right away. When especially in the game of baseball, <clears throat> there's a kid I'm working with, and he goes, "How do you how are you so positive?" He goes, "Listen, I know what you're going through. I know the feeling what you're going through right now." And trust me, if you're having good PPs and you're working and you're doing your stuff, you're putting in the time, good things are going to happen. You cannot ask for 10 hits and one at bat. You can't ask for five home runs in two games. It's just you have to be patient. The more patient you are, the more the game is going to come back to you. The more impatient you are, the more the game is going to run away from you. And it's just something that I've learned over time and I've learned over failure because everybody thinks when somebody talks from success, they think they're talking, oh, I've done this because I'm so successful. That person has gotten there from failure. 
he has gotten there, he or she has gotten successful from so many different failures in their lives that made him the person or made her the person to be successful in that position. It's just what it's just what life's all about. You have to learn from your failures. Everybody does it. Everybody has it. And it's the ones that ones that want to bust through it, accept it, embrace it, that can move on and be successful. Amen. Great advice, Mark. Well, I have one final question for you about Albert Pujols. I was talking with Randy before we connected with you about how I am fascinated by the makeup or the construction of the great ones, the people that can really stand above the rest and do something at the most elite levels. You're in that category. Albert Pujols is in that category. And obviously it has to be a combination, the perfect cocktail of God-given talents and hard work. But when you spoke about Albert Pujols at the beginning of our conversation, you said he's a born hitter. And back in 2001 in spring, training Albert Albert's rookie year you went to Tony La Russa after you saw Albert Pujols and you said this guy's got to make your team this guy's got to be here what did you see in him then what whether it was his natural born talents or what that made you believe he had to be there I, I think it was in his eyes it was this determination it was the, the he was so relentless um it, you know <clears throat> I believe he was a third baseman I could be wrong in the mind. Right. I believe he was a third baseman. And so here's a third baseman and a big guy at that, right? And and he was put in the outfield. You know, um, I was, I was uh, you know, I had first base. And so he didn't really play first base until, you know, I got hurt and, or, and I left. And so here's this athlete that is such a big guy that can, I mean, his hand-eye coordination was off the charts for a, such a young kid. And, and, and the thing is, it's like a lot of us didn't know who he was because, you know, you go back 20-plus years, you know, we didn't have the information that these kids have, the information of finding out who's coming from behind, you know, the minor league stuff. And, you know, all there's, a lot of those games are on TV today. and You, know, you can watch videos on the minor leaguers and stuff. We didn't have that stuff. We didn't know who was coming up or – or who was drafted, it just wasn't there. But when you saw him play, it's just like, this is a no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't you want him on your team? We're going to win. We're going to win. This guy's a winner. This guy is just like, he has got blinders on. He doesn't He doesn't know what's going around him. He All he cares about is hitting the baseball and making a play. And that, I remember seeing him make that play out in left field, um, and, and I, I believe it was in, we were in Jupiter, and I remember I, I and, and I still remember I going up to Tony. I said, if he is not on our team, it's it would be the, the worst move you've ever made. Now I know Tony <laughs> doesn't have, you know, Walt Jockety. Walt Jockety has the, the say on it, but it's like, you know, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. And it, you know, the thing was, and, and, I, and I truly believe they, that he was going to go down to AAA, but it wasn't until Bobby Bonilla got hurt. I think he had a hamstring problem, I think, the last week of spring training. And he broke the team with us, and the rest is history. It's a, it's a first ballot. It, and if, he, if he doesn't get 100%, 100% uh, getting in the Hall of Fame, there's something wrong with the voting. It's just like, I, I don't understand that. This guy, it's like, it's not the first 10 years of his career, nobody in the history of the game has done what he's done. And first, the history of the game. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yes, he's had some injuries, and it's like, oh, and he's going to reach 700 home runs. 
I don't have it. There's, I, I don't even need to question that. He's gonna, he's gonna reach 700 home runs. But it's just like this guy is just—he was born. God gave us us the game of baseball to witness this 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 human being to be as good as, on the field, but even a better person off the field with all the stuff that him and his wife Didi do. It's just unbelievable what we've been given. And it's just like I've been saying for years, it's like do not take him for granted. Do not take him for granted. Well, Mark McGuire, we're blessed to have you as a member of Cardinal Nation and a Cardinal Hall of Famer. And we're looking forward to Thursday. And uh, Michelle and I will track you down. And uh, I can't wait to see you and say uh, hi. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. And uh, thanks. Let's do, a sh- let's do a selfie. Can we do a selfie? We got to do a selfie. Oh, oh I yeah, love we'll it. We'll do a selfie, all three of us. You know right, it. We yeah, that'd be awesome. We'll do well, it. I look forward to it, and uh, and I, and uh, it's, it's been a while since I've been back there, so it's, I'm I'm really excited and um, put put that jacket on. It's been a, it's been a couple of years, so I, I I'm I'm assuming the jacket still fits. So <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure still, it does. Still in pretty good shape. So yeah, so great. Well, again, thank you guys, Randy, Michelle. I really appreciate it. And as always, uh, anytime I'll, I'll be here. Love to talk baseball. We love it. Thanks, Mark. Have a great day. All right, you too. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.